your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. stuff no drama no drama podcast my name is pastor hoffman and with me is zach lesher say hello zach hey everybody well we're here and we're continuing in on our study on galatians and if you're following along it's designed to be followed along according to the outline in the lutheran study bible so if you're using that you'll see that for today the section we're going to talk about is Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. And then we have a wonderful uh, listener question about baptism and baptismal records. So we're going to get to that. So, Zach, I'm just going to start by reading this, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kick it into full-on Bush League. All right, here we go. <laughs> chapter 3, St. Paul begins. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Did he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are in the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather. The one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward 
does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And this ends the reading so far. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you. If you were needing to hear some good news, you got it. And we have, we have comedy, drama. We got everything in here today. Oh, it's excellent. Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> good night. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you what. There's, uh, there is some major uh, reminders, good reminders. Because for, for starters... He starts with the Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I mean, uh, it's an evil influence. That's what a bewitching is. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And so we're getting to the meat of this to say, what happened? Why is this not your, 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 your gospel? Oh, yeah, and, and I mean, here's the thing. Um, uh, this is my favorite line, one of my favorite lines of scriptures. Oh, foolish Galatians. I mean, <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I like this line when somebody says something rather foolish concerning the faith, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was ever before your eyes that Jesus was publicly proclaimed as crucified. Now, this does not mean that, that the Galatians saw Jesus crucified, but they saw the witness, the witnesses that saw Jesus crucified. Yes. And by the way, that witness, so that we can not become Pharisees here, that witness is as valid as though you were standing at the cross. And that's the thing, is, is an atheist does not have what we have, okay? Because uh, we have, in the words of God... We have the Holy Spirit working in these words. Not that the Spirit doesn't work for the atheists, but just that um, they're not reading the Scriptures enlightened by the Holy Spirit to see Christ. Well, the atheist is absolutely is ruined by the Holy Spirit. The, it, the, they cease to become an unbeliever, even if they're crabby about it. Um... A believer who's struggling with their former atheism, they might get crabby. <laughs> but, it, but you know, because it's something that so flies in the face of everything because he literally says, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, we're having a we're having a good reminder, and it's here. Well, and, and that just goes with what I said, right? These words have power; that the power of God unto salvation, right? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Now. A Roman Catholic might dispute you on works of the law, but we have Paul here saying otherwise. Absolutely. It's not, there's nothing, um, there's nothing that you can take here um, 
and and somehow finagle it i mean by using by using the text as your guide to say oh yeah um i you know the the thoughts both i believe some protestants and catholics hold to this idea that jesus somehow gets us started and then we kind of run from there like a little kid of, after you take their training wheels off. Well, it doesn't work that way. That would be literally finishing by the flesh. And that's not or, how it works. Or uh, your, your decision for Jesus, right? Paul is throwing that out too. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Like, did you choose Jesus? No, you heard with faith. Right. And so, oh yeah, that... That's gonna poke. That's gonna poke a hole in their inner tube. <laughs> I mean, when well, you... to, to be fair, we've all been poked, right? All of our inner tubes at one time have been deflated. <laughs> I would have to quit reading the Bible if I would didn't want to get my inner tube poked. But uh, it's definitely a, a thing to say that. Well, for those of you who cling to that false doctrine, stay away from these verses because they're gonna. You're gonna have a bad day. Or those who think you can earn merit before God by what you do. I mean, Paul clearly here is saying no. Yeah, there's no way to do it. It's just not, it's not, it's inconsistent with how God works. And that's always the funny thing is he had been consistent. I mean, uh, was I who brought you out of Egypt? You know, even then he's like, I'm the one who rescued you. Well, what made you, when did he change? <laughs> I mean, it's... No, right, right. And that's, and that's, and I, and for those who don't know, I, you know, I've been in the Pentateuch for about six weeks and over and over again, I am the Lord, who, your God, who brought you out of the land of, the, of Egypt and I am the one who sanctifies you. Yeah. Over and over and over and over and over again. God does not want his people to forget that. I am the one that chose you. I am the one that called you. I am the one that sanctifies you. Yeah. You know, we keep our our old Adam. It's like if you ever watched uh, WWF, you know, and stuff like that in the 80s. They're, they're there and you're on the side and you're waiting to be tagged in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? You know what Hulk Hogan is going to do to me? He's going to destroy me. Please don't tag me in. You know, and then you go crawling out, and then about five minutes later, you want to be tapped back in for more. <laughs> <laughs> That's your old Adam, man. Oh, you got it now. <laughs> this is why. This is why. The Christian life is a life of repentance. Yep. The devil comes in there and he just beats you with experience. And and he's going, oh, you want to play my game? Just so you know, I invented it. <laughs> oh, he's going to say, you didn't really lose. You, you were so close. Just go back in for another round. <laughs> Dude, you almost had him. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the guy's name? You know, uh, uh, snap into a Slim Jim. You know, he's not even sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. How Bush League is that? I brought wrestling into it. But, but there's, um, that's, I like that. I like the analogy of wrestling because, again, it's, that's the, somebody going, okay, I need a shot at this. Tag me in. And, and you're, you're screaming at Jesus going, tag me in, bro. And he's like, no. That's not how it works. So you jump the fence anyway. 
Well, yeah. and, and, and you said a, a tag team partner. So when we do get tagged in, we're the one that gets smacked with a chair, right? Yeah. And then we're out. And the partner's got to drag us back out and revive us, right? Yeah. I almost think it's like we're in the audience selling peanuts, pretending that we're part of a tag team. <laughs> the peanut dude is up there going, tag me in, bro. This isn't tag team wrestling. Yeah, it is. Tag me. <laughs> uh, well, Will Smith had a song that said, I think I could beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's time to it's time to revisit that one. But um, so we see this here. And and we and people who are listening to this, yeah, we make some jokes about it, but we do it because it's important to know that the truth of the matter is we are rescued by Christ. He is the one here, as it says, who sends us the Holy Spirit, who gives us faith, and so Zach and I can bush league and make a joyful commentary on it. Because it is true. I mean, if, if I really thought that I had a part to play, do you think I would joke about it? No way. I'd be way overly serious about it. Well, and that's the thing. Let's keep reading. I'll make my point to that, too. All right. Because, um, again, he brings it back here. And for if anybody happened to be reading the Pentateuch, <laughs> they would yeah. they would see here... That he not only talks about them in the in the present age, he's saying um, he said uh, uh, as far as by works of the law or by hearing with faith, he says just as Abraham believed God, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It wasn't Abraham did stuff, but Abraham believed, and so. Um, Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You notice he's not taking out his DNA results? Well, yeah, and then let, let me stop you there and tie this together. So, hermeneutically, faith is something God does, right? Absolutely. So, I'm saved by faith, and faith is a gift of God, and God doesn't trust me with my faith. Because I'm not even to be trusted with that. Yeah. Well, because we keep... That's all gospel. We keep trying to get tagged in. But, you know, that's... Uh, it's to him to say, this is a gift. I mean, he didn't say... You know, I mean, even think of this. I know it's grisly and gruesome. But um, freeing... Freeing uh, Israel from Egypt. Um, there was a massive sacrifice that occurred. And there was even blood on their doorsteps to keep them from being part of this sacrifice. And so, I mean, there's a whole, I mean, that's grisly. God is the one who rescued them, and it, it didn't come without a cost. And, and God rescues, but the rescue of sinners doesn't happen without a cost. Nope, there is no atonement without the shedding of blood. Right. And, you know, all of the Egyptians were losing what? Their firstborn, right? And and for well, them... Well, that was a little bit of their fault there. Well, and for them, that's punishment. And for the for Israel, for the Jewish people, they had the blood of, of a goat on, on their doorpost to say, look, it wasn't just one goat. <laughs> 
I mean, we're talking, there was a massive sacrifice there to say, God says this blood will make the angel of death fly over my house. So again, there's rescue at a sacrifice. And well, by the way, tied with God's cool word. Passover lamb is the Hebrews had to eat the entire Passover lamb. Yeah. So um, no no picture of Jesus there, anybody. No, Nothing no, no. Here. No, you gotta you just put your head in the dirt and go la 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 Yeah, there's no there's no no typology there. Well, and this is a really important thing because uh when you bring Abraham into it, you are no longer I mean you okay look, you brought Abraham into it. And so because every Jew that knew their their Torah, that knew their that sat in temple, if they didn't know who Abraham was, they weren't paying attention at all, or they were just deaf or something. Because when you mention Abraham, people are like, Yeah, we're sons of Abraham. And um and so he's saying by this, all these, um, he brings it on to say that, oh, by the way, I get back to it. The blood on the post came. How can blood do such great things? Well, it is certainly not the blood on the post which does things, but it is the blood and the command of God with his word that does such. That's in the, that's in the Egyptian catechism. You got to look it up. So, um, <laughs> Um, you have well, no, and to, you know what? To add to your point, um, the blood of Jesus is useless without faith. It certainly has no benefit because, again, um, it requires all hearts to believe. So, without faith, you have the thing which forgives sins, the blood of Christ. But faith clings to that. Sure. The doctor writes the prescription. The pharmacist gives you the prescription. You're like, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, foolish Galatian. Yeah. Oh, foolish pharmacy patient. So, and so as I'm saying about Abraham, uh, and we, we need to hear this and... Uh, for all the Judaizer and Christians out there, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. And so we're, we're seeing here that, um, that these, where, where that's, I lost my verse. That's verse eight. Yeah. And verse eight, um, that's Genesis 12, three, you know? And so <laughs> he's quoting the old Testament. And so again, it's not like he's, he's had some vision, um, on peyote or something he's saying look the scriptures are clear well and it's important to talk about um the importance of abraham yes the, the importance of abraham is that god made the covenant with abraham Mm-hmm. and um 
It's a, it's an important, and to say that, you know, he, that covenant, he even will come up here and say that, you know, uh, that covenant isn't broken. God doesn't break his promises. And so when you make a promise that, okay, through your, all nations will be blessed. Well, he's talking about the goyim even, the goys, the non-Jewish people. So for like the Judaizers and the Pharisees who thought that being of Jewish descent and Abraham's children, that they were somehow better. And that's nonsense. And because again, that has nothing to do with God, does it? There's no, God is like left out of that equation. All right. Yeah, and so, and so Paul is, is taking on um, the offspring of Abraham as it's not those you know that are born of Abraham. It's it's those who have faith. Absolutely, because he already told us where the faith comes from, right? So it's back to saying, um, you know, how can how can water do such great things? Well, don't get all holy water on me. It's water uh, comprehended with the word of God and by his command. So with God instituting it and giving his promise to it, all of a sudden we're back to sacramental language, aren't we? Well, and you know what? It's not often that Pastor Hoffman and I have good advice to offer, <laughs> but we're going to offer some here. Stop trying to save yourself. Yeah. Seriously, you've uh, you've you've reached an impasse, and you, it's it's a horrifying road to despair. Trust me. Um, but he goes on here, and we're gonna get into this here. Verse ten and following are really um, are really this thing on and for Lutherans who are accused of. You know, uh, not speaking enough about, well, the Holy Spirit, we've just nailed that. But verse 10, this is what uh, Zach is talking about. For all who rely on works of the law, you're under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. So, he says, for the righteous shall live by faith. So, when Zach says, don't try to save yourself, he's not just giving you amazing advice. He's telling you, here's what the Bible says. If you try to find your justification in the law, you are now looking at yourselves in terms of somebody who at all times does everything according to God's law perfectly. I don't mean 99%. I mean perfectly. Well, and it can't be done because we have a sin nature. Oh, absolutely. You're starting off the Indy 500 with four flat tires going, I think I got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Tag me in, bro. So... Well, and you know what, to clarify too, we are not saying that the law is a curse, No. nor is St. Paul, he's saying cursed are those who rely on the law for justification. Yeah, 
Because it's like you're using it not for its intended purpose. Because even Luther in the large catechism in the um, at the end of the Ten Commandments says, Sure, everyone should try their best to keep the commandments. Because he just spent 30 pages going, The law doesn't save you, but it sure helps your neighbor. And it helps you understand who you are before God. So he goes, for those reasons alone, you know, you should try really hard to, hey, don't steal. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and God says why he gives the law. He says over and over, so you don't wander away from me. Absolutely. And like you said, it's good for your neighbor. So there's the law has many wonderful uses, but if you're like, St. Paul is saying, if you're trying to find salvation and justification, you will fail 100% of the time. Yeah, that's worse than odds than a needle of a haystack. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and again, he says, um, he, that, and that, and he even has to say in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, remember, all nations shall be blessed. Well, what does this mean? Well, St. Paul says that it means that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is that action, is that thing that was taken to make us these nations blessed, not our works. And we are the Gentiles. Woot, woot. Woot, woot. I actually have a grandmother who's Jewish. <laughs> I may be part Heb, but... Um, well, remember, it's not in the lineage, it's of the faith. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I know, I'm not a, I, I can cry out that I'm a son of Abraham, but, and then I expect you to say, well, I can throw a rock and hit a son of Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> so we have here now, in the last section here, before we get to our question, uh, this here is, this here is one of my favorites, um, because starting in verse 15, he says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now, you as a contractor, when you say, I'm going to do this job for this amount of money, and the person says to you later after you agree, hey, how about half that? You know, and you're like, yeah, no way, man. That's, that's not how it works. And and you'd say to them, look, if it's going to go over, I'm going to tell you before I do it, right? So you even have... You'd even... be surprised what some people try to get away with. But yes, uh, we do not ratify the contract. Right. So if you mess around with it, you're going to have problems. So he gives a good human example. Uh, now, promises. the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, uh, referring to many, but to referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Brings it right back around. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, isn't that wonderful? 
I love it. We don't have to sit and wonder. Paul makes it very clear, doesn't he? Without a doubt. And so, um, and I like this. Um, this is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul the covenant previously ratified so as to make the promise void. Now, people will often, now this was always one that an argument I had with a certain person who will go nameless, but he would say, well, this is why we say that the Jews are God's chosen people. And why, you know, and I'm just going, no, you didn't read anything in chapter 3 up to there, did you? And so, you know, they would say, well, that's this is why we have two covenants, Jewish people and, and Christian people. And we're just going, no, 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 that's not what that means. Well, God made a covenant with them. You're right, and that covenant was made in the blood of Christ. Hebrews 8.13. In speaking of a new covenant, but what does it mean that he makes the first one obsolete? Right. So There's the nail of that coffin. So there's just to say that, look, you're not you're not uh you're not changing you don't change the rules. It's God who sets the standard. And um it's right here. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And so this is something I love to say to my kids at school when we have chapel. I say things, you know what? When God makes a promise, I ask them, does he keep it some of the time, most of the time, or all of the time? And they say, all of the time. Well, that's true because God doesn't, doesn't uh, back out of his promises. He keeps them and he fulfills them in Christ. Well, and this is good news to us, because we can't do coffee right. Oh, I know. So, God doesn't trust us with our salvation, but for good reason. We have a great high priest who's got that taken care of for us. That's right, that's right. You know, we have it here. Um, you know, I gotta say, that was... Well, I hope that was enough gospel for you so that you can continue your studies in the Pentateuch. Oh, it's never enough gospel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean that you're good now. Don't do it any. Don't read any more gospel. But to say that, you know, you've been up to your eyeballs in it. But I was speaking of gospel. Now, if you don't mind, do um. I was going to transfer over to the group that had a good th question I thought we should talk about. Um, yeah, I think we're wrapped up here. All right, well, Tim says, So I was baptized Trinitarian when I was five or six, but in that denomination there was never a certificate or anything. I don't even remember a specific date anymore. It was recorded in an old Bible from back then, but I don't even know whatever happened to it. It's probably long gone. Likewise, being an adult Lutheran convert, I never picked a confirmation verse or anything, but it's nifty that others have them. Ought either of these be remedied in any way? Well, first of all, he's talking about some of this stuff is adiaphora. Um, I mean, the, the fact that 
the church has always served as record keeping, but he points out here that he is aware that he had a Trinitarian baptism. I just have to say first and foremost, that's the most important thing said in the statement. He knows. And um, so you're not, he's not even asking the question, should I be baptized or anything? Because he knows he was baptized. So that's a good solid start. Next, he says, um, I don't have a confirmation verse. Well, confirmation verses are pretty cool. I've certainly over the last 10 years have given enough of them uh, or even talked to kids uh, uh, and given them a confirmation verse. And if you don't have one, the thing of it is, is you never know. This might be a good time to go talk to your pastor or something and go, hey, what do you think would be a great verse for me to memorize for baptism? Because if he came to my office, I'd go, well, let's dig in. <laughs> but um, um, that's there's no you don't have to have one. But I'm not saying they're that they're unimportant. You know, if there's a particular Mark 16, 16, you know, or something like that. But um, there's things that you can do and they can, you know, I would even I would even make them a plaque and put it on him because I'm I would I'm a woodworker. But. But the next thing is, is, um, uh, let's see, was, um, you never picked a confirmation verse. And so what you need to do with your baptism is when it's logged is to say, let's say you were born in 1980. You're going to say, well, the baptism was in 85 or 86. I'm not sure. But you want to put in the church records. Yes, he's baptized. And it was in 85 or 86, you know, something like that. And that way the church isn't always going to go, hey, were you baptized? I mean, just put it in there. Just put the record in there. And if you come across with the more specific dates, put them in. But in the meantime, don't sweat it because you know you're baptized. And, and when God wrote your stuff in the book of life, it doesn't get lost. <laughs> well, and here's the thing is I don't have my baptism. I don't have my baptism certificate either. Uh, um, so with me, um, I made sure to confirm with my mother. And she said, yes, I was there. I witnessed this. And then I, in um old Bible that my uncle had gotten me, he had actually wrote in the date that I was baptized. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it's a little odd because I was born in March. Yeah. And I wasn't baptized until November. Uh-huh. Well. So I asked my mom, um, what were you thinking, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't. I was born in June and I wasn't baptized until 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 21. <laughs> so. Okay, you win. So, you know, we don't, we don't, I wouldn't pat myself on the back if I waited a long time like that, but I also wouldn't spend the rest of my life kicking myself knowing that I have a son who's baptized. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think what that points to, though, is maybe poor catechesis. Maybe. Or just sinners being sinners you know going well you know i mean i've had plenty of times where a baby's born 
And I'm like, seriously, what's the deal? And um, they're like, well, you know, we're having the we're having the great aunt from Al Alabama kind of, or whatever. And I'm like, why don't you have them up for a party? <laughs> and then we'll do the baptism tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, the most recent. I'll, I'll have to sit down with my mother one of these days and ask her again. Because she'll, she'll uh, just kind of, nah, you know, you're fine. You're baptized. Don't worry about it. I want the details, though. Yeah. Well, you know, Matlock was having a. A big series that I really got caught up in. No, I don't know. But um, but you know what? <laughs> Truth be told, I mean, that would be right. She would say, rejoice in your baptism and I could have been faster. Forgive me. That's pretty much all you're going to get out of her, if that. She might just backhand you because she's your mom. Yeah, she can do that. Yeah. Um, the way I look at it, though, is God is the baptizer, right? Sure. So he did it in his time, his way, his rules, uh, and that's the mystery to me. So from March to November, um, it's just in God's time, right? I mean, we're not supposed to wait, but, you know, there was this gap there. So I'm just going to say by faith, I'm just going to leave that a B, right? And just thank God it happened. The last, the last baptism I did, that mom didn't wait too long. She was like, Hey, can we do the baptism on Reformation Sunday? I'm like, yeah, you can. That sounds amazing. And uh, the baby was, you know, just recently born, not too long before. And so I'm like, sure, I think so. You know, again, the point of this and his question is for the confirmation verse, if you want to make it something cool and special, do it. Go talk to your pastor and have your pastor give you some cool verse. And if he gives you a memory verse, Memorize it. Make it cool, man. And um, share your memory verse with people. Like whenever we do a baptism at, at Christ here, uh, I always say, look, these are the newest baptized people here. And I want you after church today to tell them about your baptism and share that with them because you guys share the exact same baptism. And, you know, I, it's cool. So let's just make it be cool then. Can I change mine to Galatians 3.1? You can always change yours. Yeah, Galatians. Oh, oh foolish, foolish Galatians. <laughs> I would all, yeah, that would be great. Who has who has bewitched you? <laughs> anyway, well, you know what? I think that's a good stopping point. And, you know, it's great. I, I know I had a wonderful Thanksgiving last week, and we didn't podcast, and so I know the... I know the listeners, you know, all four of them are going to be really excited to, to listen to our podcast and go Bush League with us. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a great day. So uh, what, do you, what do you say about that? Uh, thank you to all four, and we will get the next one for you.